It's the Sunday Cafe with Roman Travis on Magic Talk. Darren Rowe from Mindfulness for Dogs. He's a regular now on this show. G'day, Darren. How are you? Morning, Roman. How are you? How are your seven dogs? Um, they're very good. I've actually sat here today with um, one of my dogs called Magic, strangely enough. Um, she's a little uh, red mill. Um, she's 14 now, and she's, um, she's sort of just looking at me saying, where's my treats, I think. Oh, lovely. Uh, and they're quite a smart dog, too, aren't they? You said it was a uh, red mill. She's incredibly smart, yeah. They, they take a little bit of time to mature, but, yeah, she's certainly the smartest one we've got. <laughs> so Darren Rowe is here for, for you, and you can call and have a chat with Darren about things that your dog isn't doing quite right. It may be you, or it could be your dog. Darren will get to the, the bottom of that. 0800 844 747 3920 for a text. Now, today we're talking about the safety of dogs in cars. That's all become quite a, a hot potato, hasn't it, Darren? It has. Hey, I was just thinking, my, my um, wife just went down to Auckland. She took a group of French um, students. She's a French teacher down to the um, Bastille Day celebration. Oh, yeah. And um, just, just on their note about safety, um, we're quite lucky that our dogs aren't um, in France of the revolution because, uh, unfortunately, a lot of them suffered the same fate as the, um, the French aristocracy. Why is that? Yeah, um, well, I, apparently because they were associated with the aristocracy. Oh. Um, but Marie Antoinette, the Queen of France, she was she was one of the only uh, um, one of her only dogs called Coco that survived. Apparently, I didn't um, know that. In fact, for the day about Bastille Day on dogs. <laughs> That's fascinating. Imagine taking it out on the dogs. Honestly, I know. Can you believe it? Yeah. Can you believe it? There are a lot of hey, just on that. There are a lot of sort of fancy breeds you don't see so much these days. When was the last time you saw an Afghan? Oh, yeah, you're right, actually. I haven't seen an Afghan for... In fact, I don't think I've seen one since I've been in New Zealand. That's a good sort of eight, nine, nearly ten years now. Yeah, they were a really... They were quite a a trendy thing in the 70s and 80s. That's right. One of my um, cousins used to breed them, actually, back in the UK. Oh, okay. That was a long time ago, that was. Well, look, Darren, I've got a story to tell you, which is a little bit of... um, This is terrible, and it is terrible. I put my hand up. Uh, When I worked for Doc, I was coming over the Rimutakas. We had a bunch of dogs on the back of a ute, and when we got to the other side of the Rimutakas, there was a dog missing. And, Uh yeah, and it was my dog, and he had come off the back of the ute. And I thought, oh, for all the tea in China, he'll be toast. He turned up on a farm in Featherston within days, and uh, a long story short, I got him back uninjured. But you really do need to make sure your dogs are tied on to utes and whatever you're transporting them with, right? It's it's quite uncanny because that was um, exactly what, or very similar to what I saw quite recently as I was driving down the road. Mm. There was a ute driving at about, uh, must have been 80 k's on the main road, and there were three lovely dogs in there, but none of them were tethered at all. And they were bouncing up and down. I don't think people really appreciate how the impact that just slowing down can have on that dog, really. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and also, I've, I've coming from the UK, I've, I've never had a situation of seeing dogs tethered to the back of utes. You just don't get that in the UK. Oh. So the idea of tethering a dog by its collar, um, by the weakest point in its body on its neck, oh, yeah. <laughs> to yeah. a ute travelling at 80k just frightens me. It really oh, does. Now you're making me feel terrible. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's because in the UK they're all in the in the front seat of the Range Rover next to the driver, I guess, aren't they? Well, that, that, that is so <laughs> true, but that also adds its complications as well, doesn't it, really? <laughs> uh, I guess. Um, it's quite funny, actually, because uh, there's... 
the the um you meant to hunt well there's no actual rule about um law about dogs being in cars there's the law that the dog has to be tethered by a short lead so its legs can't actually get over the side of a ute but that's the mm. only law that we've got to protect our dogs in cars actually in a car it's kind of recommended that they're harnessed but there's no actual law to cover that yeah. at the moment as far well, as i'm aware well when you think about it you know anything that's in the car that's not tethered whether it's a seat belt or otherwise will move at the velocity of the car yeah. once it stops right so it makes sense yeah, I've got some interesting facts for you. Here's, I'll make sure I read this. So it's right. Mm. An 11 kilogram dog traveling at 50 k's an, uh, an hour, mm. uh, sorry, yeah, 50 kilometers an hour, um, if it crashes, it's got the same mass of 450 kilograms. Yeah, imagine that in the back of your head. God, oh. yeah, it's just gonna just gonna break your neck in seconds, isn't it? Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah. Well, look, we're going to carry on talking about the safety of transporting dogs, but this isn't um the, the, by by no means is that the whole topic. If you've got uh-huh. something you want to ask Darren, get stuck in. Uh, he's here to take your calls around. Or well, hey, look, if you if you're new to this, Darren is a dog behaviourist, and what he doesn't know about dog behaviour isn't worth knowing. You can mm. teach old dogs new tricks, can't you? You certainly can, yeah, definitely. Mm, <laughs> and you can teach them much better tricks than they know. <laughs> and you've said in the past that it's more often than not the owner as opposed to the dog. Is that largely true for most dogs' situations? There's, yeah, there's certainly a relationship between the owner and the dog. The dog wants, has to want to work for you. Mm. So if your relationship with a dog is not really very strong, then the dog really doesn't really want to do anything for you. Um, but a lot of our cues and our signals that we give a dog are completely wrong. So the dog's not misbehaving half the time. It's just really not really understanding what we want, Yeah, I yeah. guess. Yeah, and it's frustrating. And often you hear, I've done it myself. I'm not, you know, I'm not a dog expert. You know that. But when you're walking up Mount Eden and you hear someone talking to their dog with long sentences as if the <laughs> dog understands every single word, short, sharp commands are best, right? Sometimes. Um, I I talk to my dogs like they're normal people, um, but they know certain keywords. I think it's very much about um, our authenticity in the way we talk. Mm. Our dogs tend to understand us a lot more than we realise, I guess. Uh, What really winds me up is where you get the person that says sit, and then two seconds later the dog hasn't done it, sit, 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 all that time. Mm. And the dog's processing those like 10 words to say, well, he said sit, I think I've got it. Okay, sit again. Oh, God. And, and the dog's just getting totally confused, and then they just walk off. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't blame them, do you, really? <laughs> no, no. Look, I have that issue with a, a neighbour's dog that I walk. I don't really know the commands for Izzy. I just give the commands I think sound logical, and she looks at me like I'm completely nuts. So it <laughs> doesn't always work. Don't speak by Marama, that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I need to learn some German. Um, 0800 844 That's the number to call. You can come through and have um, a, a free consultation. Uh, right here on the Sunday Cafe, we're joined by, weekly by our dog expert here, Darren Rowe from Mindfulness for Dogs. Back with Darren and your call in just a moment. It's quarter past nine. News, politics, business, conversation. Keeping you informed on the drive home. Magic talk. Brendan Telfer in for Ryan Bridge. The thing about the, the hydrogen cars, and if you look into it, you'll see that the um, technology is there. The problem being that they can't make enough money from it, so it'll never fly. I can run my car on water if I want to, and that's not a lie. They're easily done. So you can, you're telling me you run your car on water? I can do. I've got. Well, why wouldn't? Well, if you can, why don't you? I do occasionally, and that's and that's without a word of a lie. I use a mixture of fuel and water because I, I, it's a bit like running it straight on gas. So what do I have to do to get home tonight with using water yeah, in my some car? Stainless, some, some stainless steel. 
um, with a battery connected to it. You quickly run a positive charge through the water. It separates the hydrogen from the um, oxygen. Okay, okay. It's look, I've got, you, that, I've, got, I've got your phone number here because you've rung in. I'm putting you on speed dial. The Ryan Bridge Drive Show. 3 to 6 p.m. weekdays. Magic talk. Relax and unwind, but stay informed. It's the Sunday Cafe on Magic Talk. And we have a brand new email address, which I'm going to give to you because I'm a generous kind of guy. Sundaycafe at magic.co.nz. That's the new email address, and you can text on 3920. Darren Rowe on the phone from Mindfulness for Dogs for the next 15 minutes or so. Hi, Ingrid. How are you? Morning. Very good. Thank you. Hi, Ingrid. G'day. Hey, um, I've got a five-and-a-half-year-old German Shepherd. Beautiful. Family pet. Lives inside mostly. Um, yep. She's barking a lot barking a lot at night, obviously hearing noises. So it's kind of nice to encourage her to bark in case anyone's hanging about, but it's getting a little bit silly now. I don't know if it's a hedgehog or a cat or what. Okay. Um, where does she sleep? Is she crated at night? No, no. She's um, in the run of the house, normally in the hallway, on the floor. Yeah. One thing that you can sometimes find, because uh, uh, a German Shepherd is going to be, is a guarding dog, isn't it? So it's going to be kind of alert. Um, mm-hmm. most of the time. So one thing you can do that I've found, because I've, I've got a dog that used to bark at night time, is to, to teach them to sleep in the crate and then you cover it with a blanket completely so it's completely dark. And that way okay. they don't really hear and see too much. And that can sometimes have a good effect. Obviously, you're going to need to train that crate. Don't just throw them in there. They're going to get quite scared. So buy the ones with the two doors and then you can just leave it there and she can just go in and out when she feels like it. And that would be a really good way of um, of uh, teaching her to just relax a little bit. You could also maybe take her out for a walk or play, do a bit of play just before she goes to bed so she's a bit mentally tired, uh, physically and mentally tired as well. Oh, How big is this crate I'm going to get? Is it going to take up half the house? Mm-hmm. Sorry, can you say that again? I didn't quite catch up. How big is the crate I'm going to uh, buy? You, yeah, you can get some really big crates. A couple of companies, they do quite a few different ones. If you go for the biggest brand, the biggest one, I think we've got a... 42 inch crate for our setters which would probably be about the right size um but okay. you can sleep in a they can sleep in a smaller one as long as they can stand up and turn around that's really the main the main thing you need they don't need a lot of room for sleeping and the last sorry do they need uh something soft bedding there someone said all the boys got a head some some soft bedding sorry yep Yes, soft yeah, so, so I would put um, her normal, if she's got a blanket, then I would put a normal blanket in there so she feels welcome. You can always throw in a couple of um, chew toys as well. Brilliant. And that can keep her busy when she wakes up. Sounds good. Okay, no, that's, that's lovely. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ingrid. Have a go at that. See how it works. Yeah, I just um, on Ingrid's point there, Darren, it would be quite a big dog crate for a um, German Shepherd, wouldn't it? Yeah, um, they do do some quite big ones. In the hallway might not be the best place for it, I guess. Mm. And you can start that later in life. It's not a problem. Yep. Again, you can always teach an old dog new tricks. And and in fact, with a crate, they they feel quite safe then. If you think about um, puppies in the wild, they're going to be down under the ground and it's going to be nice and dark. Mm. So they've got their own little den. Yeah, true. Good point. 0800 844 747 to have a chat with Darren Rowe from Mindfulness for Dogs. Hi, Gail. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Now we've Hi, Fox Terrier, hi, um, and she's seven, and suddenly after dinner, we do have to keep her on a bit of a diet, she sits by my husband and gives a gentle sort of low growl, she's never done that before. So is, what is that when you're eating? She's after she's eaten, and she thinks she she's hasn't eaten. had enough, but we've got, we've got to keep her weight down, so what do you do? <laughs> oh gosh, um, so... So she's actually, is she slightly obese? 
Just slightly. Just slightly. So, so you're actually actively cutting the food down to try and... Yeah, um, keep the weight. Or yeah. So, so one of the things you can do, because one of the problems when you cut food down for a dog is the fact that their stomach's never full, so they do feel sort of a bit hard done by, I guess, that yeah. they're not getting the food they should do, especially fox terriers are probably used to having a little bit of overfeeding. Yeah. So what you can do is space their meals out during the day. So maybe feed her three or four times, and that has, a, has clinically been proven to, to oh. help dogs to lose weight because oh, they really? process it when they need it, and they burn it off a lot quicker as well because they're running around during the day. Certainly feed more food in the morning when yeah. they've got the whole day to burn it off, and in the evening, if you feed a big meal in the evening, it just sits in their stomach all night and then mm. just gets stored rather than processed. Oh, that's very helpful. Thank it might you. be that. Um, what you might also do, thinking about, because obviously your husband doesn't want to be growled at by your dog, I'd imagine, <laughs> um, you might want to take some of that food and, and put it in a cup as treats, make sure it's still part of the, the daily routine, and then he could possibly feed her some of that just to build that relationship again. Because yeah. you'd probably look at him saying, feed me, feed me. <laughs> yeah, she, she is, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah. So oh, I would, I would probably helpful. try that. Try spacing out the meals, small meals, more yeah. regularly. Um, and it's a much better option. Breakfast. Great. Yep. Thanks very much. Good on you, Gail. No problem, Ingrid. Good Thank luck. you. It's always a good place to start right here, getting Hello. your advice from Darren Rowe uh, from Mindfulness for Dogs. And the number's 0800 844 747. I remember Darren going to the vet um, many years ago, not for me, of course, for the dog. And I said to the vet, he said to me, how often do you feed your dog? And I said, oh, once a day. And he said, how would you like that? <laughs> Well, not, not very much, but I'm not a dog. And he said, well, just try splitting the food up throughout the day, and it works better from what you're saying. Yeah, definitely. For a lot of um, health reasons as well, the stomach then doesn't... Um, you can imagine if, you have, if you've eaten at 9 o'clock in the morning and the, the next time you're going to eat is 9 o'clock in the next day, yeah. the stomach's going to be really sore, isn't it? Oh, heck yeah. Uh, yeah. You might have questions around this or any behaviour that your dog has that you're not particularly fond of. Your dog probably isn't either, but maybe you're both a bit confused. The number is 0800 844 747. You can text 3920, but much better to call. Talk to me about inside dogs, Darren, because I don't get inside dogs. They're very happy being outside, aren't they? <laughs> That's funny, isn't it? Because until I came to New Zealand, the concept of an outside dog I'd never heard of before. Oh, right. <laughs> so, so we've got seven dogs and they come inside and they come outside. Like I say, I've got two of them at the moment sat with me. Um, nicely quiet, thank you. Um, uh, and, and the rest are out running around outside, but the door's open, they could come in if they want to. Yeah. I think it's more, in New Zealand, it's more of a... Um, coming from a rural farming um, culture, I guess. So working dogs are working dogs, yeah. maybe. It's, uh, and also, yeah, look, I, the, I'm trying to sound like a hard man. It's not actually quite true. The last dog I had was allowed inside, but he was only allowed on the floor, and he was very happy. He had a little basket he could go to. But they don't need to be sitting on the couch or on the lazy boy chair, do they? <laughs> um, <laughs> quite, quite funny. I get this question all the time, and, and in my little, in my training uh, area, in my training and centre, I've got couches, and I always say to people, if your dog's allowed on the couch at home, he's allowed on the couch here. If they're not, then he's not. Very Basically, it's your rules. It's whatever your rules are. I personally don't have dogs on the bed or on the couch because I've got seven and there'd be no room for me to sit. But if you've got a little tiny dog and it's okay and you want that dog to be on the couch, then that's fine. As long as when you ask it to get off, it gets off. Yeah, that's... And that's the important thing, is it? You know, it doesn't just jump on itself, maybe you ask it on. Yeah, yeah. Look, I've seen dogs rewarded for bad behaviour. I can't get my dog to get off the bed unless I feed it, which is clever (laughs) psychology on the dog's part, right? 
Uh, dogs are the, the, the world's best manipulators. Yeah. <laughs> they really are. Okay, the number here, 0800 844 747. Corny, hello. Yes, hello. I'm ringing in regards to we've just got in a small pup and we've got three other older, smaller dogs, right? One's a teacup chihuahua. Now, the puppy we've got is a little um, British bulldog. And now what he's doing is he's barreling over the three older ones. They've already figured out that they just don't want him around. And we, for the most part, they're all inside dogs. We're keeping them separated. And we're thinking, well, persistent training, and that'll all come together. Or sorry, so Corey, was it? Yes. Yeah, hi, Corey. Um, Hey, we've got to understand with puppies, um, are they all chihuahuas, the other older ones? Yeah, more or less. Yeah, so they're little tiny, quite fragile dogs, yeah? And and are they, um, what sort of age are they? Well, they get six to eleven, so they're all, you know. Oh, so they're they're old dogs, yeah. So yeah. so when we bring a puppy into the into our little family, we've got to understand that, um, in essence, puppies are, are quite bullies. <laughs> Uh-huh. Nasty, yep. doesn't it? Yep. But they're quite bullies, and they're bullies because they don't really understand behaviour. So uh-huh. he's not being um, nasty to the dogs, really. He just doesn't really understand because um, they don't they don't take the hint, I guess. It's a bit like small no, little kids no, when they not. just jump all over you. So so normally what would happen is your older dogs would be quite forceful and tell them off. First of all, they're, yes. they're quite nice and say, yeah, 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 you're okay. And then a bit later on, it gets a bit harder and a bit harder and a bit more forceful and a bit more forceful. And in the end, the puppy realises that it's not appropriate. But if you've got the little tiny dogs there, that's going to be quite hard for them, I'd imagine. Um, so I wouldn't separate them, but I would um, bring him in on the lead so you can be the one that teaches him the correct way to be around the small yeah. dog. Yeah. That would be the best way because they're quite full on. I mean, as a as a uh, yeah. fully grown dog, he's going to be a big dog, so he's going to have to understand what the rules are. There we go, um, Corey. I hope that helps you out, Corey. Joy, good morning to you. Hello. Um, my query is: We have a King Charles Cavalier Spaniel. Now he's six years old and he's crated at night, and he's in the last twelve months he started waking in the night and howling like a wolf, and it sort of wakes the household. Well. He, he doesn't wake. You go there and you pat him, and he goes back to sleep. But it's becoming more regular. Mm. So I don't know whether right. he's dreaming. Um, Maybe. Thanks for ringing, Joy. Um, Cavalier Spaniel is gorgeous. Um, is he a brown and white or a black and white? Yeah, he's a blenum. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so you don't have the radio on by any chance, do you, at night time? Sorry? You don't have the radio on near him by any chance? No, I don't. I'm in another room. It is on in another room, but I'm in another room. I only ask ask that because when one of my dogs used to to put the radio on, and when I think it was Blondie came on, he used to howl, (laughs) and it would be in the middle of the night, and we had a similar situation. I used to do that too. Yeah. yeah, isn't that crazy? Apparently yeah. Blondie's a crazy dog person and she wrote that song, one of those songs, just for the dogs, apparently. She so, made many men howl, actually. It wasn't just... Yeah. <laughs> Going back to Joy, um, I think, Joy, um, you may be a victim of your own sort of behaviour. So waking up and then coming and patting him is actually rewarding him and saying, yeah, oh. that's the right behaviour. And I think that's probably why it's getting worse. Um, the reason why it's been happening in the first place, is he, has he been checked medically? There's nothing wrong with him. No, he's good. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so it may have been that he woke up one day, he started to howl, you came in, you patted him, talked to him, oh, there, there, you're a good dog. And then he thought, oh, I like that. And then it starts to happen again. What time are you feeding him, actually, as well? Um, about five. About five. Is that dry food? Yes, it is. So, so dry food can sometimes take up to five or six hours um, to start to process, and then they might need to um, eliminate 
Um, so yeah. it may be because he's just uncomfortable, the dry food sitting in his belly. Mm. And again, it yeah. comes down to maybe feeding a little bit later or a little bit earlier. You can have a look at that. Um, okay. It's, it's a difficult one without right. knowing what the situation, if there's any noises or anything around him. But if it's the same sort yeah, of time... No, there doesn't seem to be anything. It's like 3 and 4 in the morning. But he oh, okay. doesn't actually wake. His eyes are not open. Mm. Oh, so wow. It's like he's dreaming. Oh, could well be then, yeah. It could well be. I mean, when a dog when a dog goes to sleep, they're still exactly the same as us. They're still living their little lives, and you see their little legs clicking away. They do. And, and quite often they do howl. Yeah, they do. Joy, you, you could yeah. always try playing some Blondie and see what happened. That could. Uh... <laughs> that would be fun, wouldn't it? Let's go to Tracy for the last call. G'day, Tracy. Good morning. Hi, Hi. we've got a two-year-old Cavoodle, and um, he barks crazily when somebody comes to the door. And then um, when they come in, he chases them around like crazy. And he even, <laughs> quite often with males, he'll actually nip at their ankles. Yeah. Um, do you know what? How, do you know how common that is with the cavoodles and the labradoodles and anything with oh, a poodle cross? Okay. Okay. Um, it's, it's something you have to manage. So, so a poodle is a, um, a kind of herding dog. He's got a herding dog instinct. Um, so, so that biting of the heels is, if you imagine if it was a border collie, it would be biting the sheep when they're trying to get them moving. Right. So, so that's what that's all about. Um, so he's got an instinct there that's quite strong. Um, and you can, you can exercise that by playing chase games and, and with little tuggies and toys like that, and that will help him to do, to do it to something safe rather than people. Um, the, the door, I'm going to go back to the door thing, though. The door thing, when someone knocks at the door, that's quite, if you think of it from a dog's perspective, there's a door in front of you, there's this, majorly loud noise that suddenly appears, normally a doorbell or a banging, people's voices, and they can't actually see what's going on. So it gets quite... It scares them, if you think mm. of it from... It's quite logical, isn't it? It scares them. So, so what you've got to do is you've got to completely retrain that whole door thing. So you have a door open and someone comes and presses the bell so they can see where the bell comes from, where the knock come from, uh, comes from, so they associate the sounds. And then they can start to get over that. Um, and then you can start putting in a... a, a maybe a, a bit of training that when the doorbell rings, you throw the toy and you say, get it, and then that chase goes into the toy rather than into the person. Oh. Right, OK. So the best thing, the best thing people to do when they come in is totally ignore your dog. Um, try not to give it too much okay. eye contact because praise is eye contact, touch and voice. And what happens mm-hmm. is when he then settles down, you can then... Oh, Darren, yes, we just lost you for a second there, Darren. So you're talking about modifying behaviour and doing things differently when the doorbell... I guess you could always modify the doorbell and have it playing Blondie or something. (laughs) Now, Darren, um, you you don't just work for us, of course. You do a lot of work outside of um, the the Sunday Cafe. How do people get in touch with you after the show? Yep, so you can find me um, on social media on um, uh, Mindfulness for Dogs or M for Dogs, and that's on um, Facebook or Instagram. And, and Twitter now as well. Oh. Very much on Twitter. And you can find my website, which is mindfulnessfordogs.com um, or .co.nz or nice. mfordogs.co.nz. Lovely, Darren. I, I learn something every time you talk with us. Thank you so much for your time this I'm morning here. Being on here, Roman. Yeah, thank you. Cheers. Uh, Darren Rowe from Mindfulness for Dogs.